0: From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. I'm your host, Shakita Griffin. In each episode of this podcast, I talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, I spoke with Chelsea Austin, class of 2015, a writer, speaker, podcaster, and life coach. As I do with most of these interviews, I began the conversation by asking how and when Chelsea became interested in her current work.
1: After I graduated, I moved back to Los Angeles. I thought I was going to move to New York. I was so ready. And then I shoveled snow for four years and ran back home. And because of family reasons, if you read my book, Inexplicably Me, talks about why I went back to LA to be near to my family. And then I actually started auditioning part time and working in the family business of real estate part time. And auditioning, I very quickly realized, I went, oh, you know, I thought I was going to be one of those people with staying power and I'm just not. And so I dove pretty much headfirst into real estate. And because it was the family business, it encapsulated my whole life. I started a property management company with my then boyfriend, now husband. And we went from managing one building to now he manages 26. Wow! And by the time I was 27, I'd sold $90 million worth of real estate. But I was miserable in my mm. work life. So I felt completely depleted. I had panic attacks almost every day. I really thought that, though, was just adulting. I was like, this just must
0: Comes be. Comes with the territory, we- right? Like-
1: yeah. Yeah. Like I'm a grown up now. I'm supposed to be in constant anxiety. Who isn't? You know, <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it took me about five years to realize maybe it doesn't need to be that way. And so then I didn't know what i was going to do but i knew i had to leave my current career because i thought this is not good for my mental health or for my longevity in any career i wasn't happy and i i'm a person that likes to be happy so i put in a 1 year's notice with my family because i ha- like to have a plan and i had no idea what i wanted to do but in that time my husband suggested that i start writing the book that so many people have asked me to write i'm the daughter of two incredible gay men both of whom i'm biologically related to And so he was like, write that book. No one else has your story. And I would say that about anybody though. no one else is your story. So I started just sitting down and writing chapters. And over that year, really developing this new brand called Chelsea Austin, where I now have my life coaching certification. I offer courses in flipping the script also with a different Muhlenberg grad. So you love, love the Muhlenberg (laughs) community. We love to
0: see those connections.
1: Absolutely. And I have a book, a podcast, a blog, and a course, and all of this stuff that really fuels me, brings me so much joy. And I'm a happy camper these days.
0: And that is so important, right? To have that balance, to actually enjoy the work that you're doing. Because, yes, we don't want to have anxiety attacks on the regular, right? We don't want that to be what life looks like.
1: No, absolutely. I think it's so vital. I think it's okay to not love your day job or to need a day job. I think that's why I'm able to do all of this is because I spent five years in real estate. It gave me this foundation. It taught me to be a business person. And that was really important. But ultimately, I think it's nice to know you're headed towards something that really feels like home.
0: Yeah. Nice. That's fantastic. And so especially being an entrepreneur, there's no typical day, right? So how are you building all of these different areas? You know, how have you managed to bring some structure to your entrepreneurial work?
1: I'm someone that loves a routine and loves structure. And so I definitely think as an entrepreneur, you have to be a bit of a self-starter. You have to be okay with motivating yourself because if you don't do it, no one else is going to. So I've established a routine. And again, it challenges me every day because I ha- I have a routine and every single day something goes very haywire with that routine, but I have it there as kind of a backbone for me. So the two things that don't really get disturbed are my morning and my evening routines. So I wake up every morning, I have coffee with my husband, I walk my dog, I work out, and then I get ready for the day. Now, sometimes I can't control that. Like yesterday I had a speaking engagement at nine o'clock in the morning. So I by work out everything kind of got all for shimult we would say yeah, <laughs> um, you know all over the place so i i think it's nice to have that structure and then at night i know i come home that has an id compressed together and we have some dinner and go to bed at early i'm nice. a, i sound like a grandma but i go i'm like asleep by 9:30 10 p.m.
0: listen so. there are few you know better just indulgences right than sleep <laughs>
1: Sleep is so vital, and having just had family in town for 30 days around my book launch and in the middle of my book tour, I've never been so appreciative of sleep in my life.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I can definitely understand that feeling. And so, you know, especially at this point where you can say you've written a book, right? You have the class. It sounds very well established, but what was the journey, right, to getting to this point?
1: Complicated and not linear. I think that is something that I appreciate about my work is it is so non-linear and I'm someone that loves beautiful straight lines. And so it's been a process for me to really get comfortable with that. I call the process picking up breadcrumbs because I truly just did the next right thing in front of me. I didn't have this whole plan to have a podcast and a blog and a book. I knew, okay, I wanna write this book. And then my dad had also written a book and had self-published. And so I assumed I was going to self-publish, I had spoken to several people in the publishing industry who had told me, Chelsea, no first time authors get published. So don't even bother submitting. And it was odd for me to take no for an answer, but I did for a while. And I'm grateful that I did because I decided, okay, if I'm going to self publish this book, I want it to be as successful as any book with a traditional publisher. So what do I need? I need a PR team. I need marketing help. I need social media. And so I treated it like a startup, which a startup also requires funds. So thank goodness for my time in real estate. I'm incredibly grateful for it because it allowed me to fund this business and say, okay, I can get teams and experts and people in line to support me. And had I not been able to do that, I don't think it's impossible. I think you can teach yourself. You can learn. There's so much information online. There's so much research you can do because even with teams and people, I still do the majority of everything myself. And while I had this book, I actually called Muhlenberg and said, I need help. I want to come back and speak on your campus because ultimately my goal is to be a speaker. It's something I did in high school. It's something I love. And they said that's great. We don't, we don't think you're quite ready yet, but here's someone you can talk to. And so I talked to Tim Silvestri from the counseling center. And from Tim, he recommended a branding coach who's now my strategist and is the reason my head stays on straight every day kim kelty and i started working with her before i'd even left real estate and she was the person who coached me on branding so how to create a brand how to create social media and i was doing it all myself and she also recommended starting a podcast and i'd never thought of starting a podcast i didn't know how to start a podcast and she was like you don't really need anything fancy get get one nice mic get a circle light you know, get something to and and so from day one, I've been producing my podcast by myself, and that was the next thing. So it was always just okay, I have this book. What do I need to do? I need to build a team. I'm gonna start finding people. Okay, great. I'm finding people. All right, what's some way that I can grow my audience? Start a blog, get social media, then start a podcast. And it's all been I I, I don't know it's that it's been all organic, it's been structured. But everything's come to me organically. And I think one of the best things to note about my journey is that you don't have to come up with all the ideas yourself. People will make suggestions and it's up to you if you want to take them or not and if they're right for you. And so it was through all this time I went, okay, I got the podcast. Now I want people to take me seriously. And with a degree in theater and dance, it's amazing. I have a liberal arts education, incredible, but I don't have the credentials to go out there and have a life coaching course, have all of these things. And I'm someone that likes to feel like I have the credentials for mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. So I'd had someone recommend, why don't you go and get your coaching certification? So all of these things, they kind of found me and I just happen to take advantage of them and then make them work for me and set goals and keep reaching towards them, but remain open to whatever the process brings my way really. Yeah,
0: yeah, which is fantastic. Thank you for kind of really diving into that because I think especially from the student perspective when they hear entrepreneurs so many times you're seeing the middle of the story or even the finish line and really hearing about what it takes to get things off the ground, to get things going. And if I could zero in on one piece that you talked about, it's that networking. You know, it's something that we're Constantly talking to students about, talking to everyone about from the career center is just how important it is to build those relationships. So, could you dive a little bit more into just how did you go about building those relationships? You talked a lot about recommendations coming in from others. So.
1: I think networking is kind of this scary word because you think you need to like put on a cocktail dress and know how to chat about things that. I don't know, are kind of mundane or not like, what, how's the weather? I, and I'm not a fan of the word, like the word networking is scary to me. Mm -hmm. So I love the idea though, of building those connections. And I'm a big fan of start with what, you know, start with your community. I mean, if you look at my podcast, almost all of the guests from the first season were people I graduated with friends of mine from Muhlenberg, my parents really tap into the people you already know. And don't be afraid to share what it is you're working on. And I think that for me was a big leap to say, oh, I'm writing a book and oh, I'm doing this. And then people go, oh, well, I have someone I know that might be able to help you. And just being willing to share a little bit of yourself and be vulnerable with people Mm -hmm. as opposed to keeping it surface level, I think that's important. And not being afraid to set big goals and then share those. And really tap into your community, Go. To your friends from Muhlenberg, I cannot tell you that dance in color is me and Casey Morse and a friend of mine from childhood co-founded that organization. My Flip the Script course, Alex Rest and I, another Muhlenberg grad, have been working on that together and she's in Austria now. So I think it's about really go back to your community and the people you're comfortable with and know, and then see about the people that they know and be willing to be vulnerable and share a little bit of yourself. I think it's scary, but it's so worth it.
0: Yeah, that is amazing advice. And again, that being willing to be vulnerable is the key. You know, it is it is scary. It is hard sometimes, but it can lead to such amazing opportunities and connections. So again, thank you for that. So to switch gears a little bit, you know, we are in some ways emerging from this pandemic life, right? Of really having to be indoors and, and isolating. And so how did that affect you throughout, you know, your journey of writing and then going into releasing the book?
1: Yeah, well, it's been fascinating because I started all of this in 2020. So I started all this in the midst of the pandemic (laughs) and I'd started writing the book in 2018. I just didn't leave my job in real estate till 2020, but really the launch of everything that I've had has been during this time. And the thing that I'm noticing now is we have so many more social engagements. I'm actually able to go on a book tour. I'm and I'm exhausted. I'm not used to seeing so many people and talking to so many people and I think the biggest thing for me is been needing to check in with myself as consistently as possible about okay, what do I need right now to fill my tank? Because I'm not used to talking as much. I'm not and I'm a talker. So it was, you know, a very strange transition to go from, okay, I I don't need to leave time between meetings because it's one Zoom to another Zoom to, oh, I have to drive here. I have to drive there. I have to do this. It's an amazing opportunity. It's incredible because I love being with people. I mean, the speaking engagements I do in front of people, the energy you get and the feedback you get and the way you can be is so different from doing them virtually. And The virtual world has also opened up our ability to talk to people across the world. You know, I don't know that Alex and I could do a course together from Innsbruck, Austria to Los Angeles, California, if we didn't have Zoom. And so I think it's a huge gift. It's amazing to appreciate the in-person, appreciate the virtual, but I think it's super important for us all to really tap into like, what do I need right now? Do I need sleep? Do I need water? Do I need a break and not be afraid to take a break? I think we've gotten, for me, that was a big transition too, was, you know, I someone called me that they're like, you're just a goal crusher. I'm like, yeah, but I also don't know how to stop and take breaks and right. it's so important to kind of step back and go, okay, you know, just because I can go from Zoom to Zoom, to in-person, to this, to that, to going, okay, this is a big transition moment. It's okay to say no to things and it's okay to take time to refuel your tank and everything. The stuff that actually feels good, just going out with any friends and having dinner is not the same as going out with the people where you can so fully be yourself. So I think it's been exciting. Um, It's been, it's funnily enough, the transition out of the pandemic has been more challenging for me. (laughs) So yeah, it's been fascinating.
0: No. And I, I, again, I appreciate you sharing that. And I have to agree that you know, there are things that you just started to take for granted. You know, for me transitioning back to the office, I'm like, wow, getting dressed, driving to work like these are really factors that I have to put back into my life. So like you said, being able to check in with yourself, knowing yourself, what recharges you, what drains you so essential.
1: Absolutely. Awesome. It's, yeah, it's a whole new world like all over
0: again. With so many different ventures, what would you say is the most? rewarding aspect of the work that you're currently doing
1: I feel like it changes on a daily basis but as of right now I would say it's a tie between releasing my book which just got released 10 days ago and uh, my speaking engagements I think for me the book is such a rewarding experience because it was a hugely cathartic process for me to write down my story and write about my life and write about challenging times and wonderful times and and to kind of birthed that out into the world has been hugely rewarding to see the positive feedback, see the kindness and see people really willing to accept my vulnerability has been a, a a huge thing. I think you write, you write and write and write, and it takes years of editing. And finally it comes out into the world. And I went like, oh crap, people are going to read it now. Like, oh no, I don't, I did not calculate this part, but it's been hugely rewarding. And that in tandem with getting to be back out in the world and meet people on this book tour, getting to talk about the process that I go through, I call it flipping the script. I think has been so massively rewarding to actually get to meet people, have them share their stories with me and take something away, whatever little nugget they can from my limited 28 and a half years on this planet. It's some it, that's been hugely rewarding.
0: Fantastic. And could you tell us what is the title of your book? Yes, the my book is
1: called Inexplicably Me: A Story of Labels, Worthiness, and Refusing to Be Boxed In.
0: So to the flip side of that same question, what has been the biggest challenge? Oh, goodness. (laughs) Uh,
1: You know, it's been fascinating. I did get published by a traditional publisher, which I'm so grateful for. They're an amazing, amazing team. It is not a myth that as a first-time author, particularly, you have to do the legwork. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out how to get your book out there. It is up to you to market your book. and that has been a huge challenge. I, even yesterday, I didn't know that you could just call Barnes and Noble and say, Hey, you know, do you want to put my book out on this table for pride month? Because mine has an LGBTQ theme. And they're like, yeah, of course, if you're a local author, we're happy to do that. But no one told me that you could just do that. Yeah. So even I asked the publisher, Oh, hey, how?" you know, how can I do this or that? Oh, we don't know. Oh, that's not something we do. Oh, and they're lovely, kind people. And I'm so grateful for them, but it's also been a huge challenge to, for me, it's like, yes, I do crush goals, but if I don't know how to get there, that's really scary. So I think it's been a lot of figuring stuff out on my own and Google and asking anyone I can, that's also had a book published. What do you, what should you do? What Shouldn't you do and learning things along the way? I think it's that's kind of the hardest thing is the marketing, to be honest. It's not my wheelhouse. And so, learning how to market, I've kind of had to give myself a crash
0: course. Definitely. And like you said, <laughs> just tapping into any and all resources available, right? Yeah.
1: Yes, and not being afraid to sell yourself. It's hard to go out there every day and say, "Buy my book, buy my book," and ask your friends that have big followings on Instagram, "Can you post about it? Can you do this? Can you?" It's constant self promotion, Mm -hmm. and that can feel really cheesy. But I also don't think it—it doesn't have to. You can get—I know I believe in my product, and if you believe in your product, it gets a lot easier. But it is a lot of throwing the pasta at the wall and seeing what sticks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But and again, I appreciate that you're saying you can still be authentic in marketing, in networking, because I think a lot of students would feel the same way that you said that networking sounds icky sometimes or it sounds like you're going to be schmoozy or, you know, just you know, like you said, cocktail party ready. But it's about really creating authentic relationships, you know, and and being able to believe in what you're doing, which you clearly do.
1: Oh, thank you. But one thousand percent, you will sell more every day of the week if you can be your authentic self. You may not be right for everyone. I think that's the hardest thing is you may not be the right person, the right book, the right product for everybody. But if you believe in what you're selling and if you're willing to bring your authentic self, the correct people, the right people that are really meant to believe and pick up in whatever it is you're selling, it'll go so much further because there'll be this mutual understanding and it's, I faced a lot of rejection. I've had 38 publishers say no to my book. It just took one. So, you know, I think it's worth it to just keep picking yourself back up and to any young author, anyone that's starting a podcast, I'm always like, please use me, use any alum that's willing to help. Because I think there are things I'm learning now as a first time author that are so beneficial that they're, it's not on Google. It's nowhere you right. can find. And so I think it doesn't have to be scary. You can go to someone that's very not scary. I'm exactly. very not scary. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is great. And definitely, yes, again, that networking, building relationships, you know, take advantage of the Muhlenberg network that you have access to. And, you know, you actually led right into my last question for you, which is what is the advice you would give to somebody who's interested in the entrepreneurial path. So whether that is authorship, whether that is, you know, the the course that you have or even podcast, you know, so somebody who wants to be a creative entrepreneur.
1: Well, first, I would say take time to journal and figure it out, figure out the first step that you want to take. What sounds fun? What are you passionate about? Because there is a way to absolutely turn your passions into a career. Yes, I sound like I'm doing a million different things, but my focus gets dedicated to each of the parts of my business in different ways on different days. And so I, th- I didn't mean to rhyme, but that was cute. It was good. Um, it was good. <laughs> thank you. Um, but I think really hone in on what makes you, you, what makes you excited and tap into that. I am a person that believes that just like every business, every human has a unique value proposition. We all have something so special to bring to the world that no one else has that combination of traits, of physical traits, emotional traits, psychological, whatever it is, we're all so unique and we all have something so special. So I think don't look at the global perspective. The global perspective is awesome to have, have a big grand master plan Be okay with that big grand master plan going totally haywire, and know that you can just hone in on one thing. Just start with one thing. I just started with one chapter of one book, and that is all I did. And so I think it can get really scary and it can feel really overwhelming to think about the end product, which is amazing to dream big. I'm a huge fan of dreaming big, but that would really be my advice: is just find one thing, hone in on that passion and bring yourself to it fully as much as you can. Even if you have a day job, find ways to bring yourself to it every day, even if just for 10 or 15 minutes. And I think that, that and dedication and not being afraid to ask for help. I think that's, and you don't have to be an expert. I I am learning every day. It is one of the hardest things for me to do, to write an email to my publisher saying, I don't understand this thing, or I don't, Know how to do this because I want to be the expert already, but I'm not. I will be someday, but I'm not right now. And so it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say you don't know and to learn from people that do know that can give you the answer. So, yes, I think you got this. That's the other thing. You can do this. You can do anything that you set your mind to. I never would have imagined where I am today being my path. And because of rejection and all these hard things, I'm living this life that I never even would have dreamed of. So I think stick with it. You can reroute anytime. I've t- attempted like 15 different b- careers and projects and I'm going to have a performing arts center. No, I'm not. I'm going to go and rescue animals. No, I'm not. Yeah. I get, you know, you can change and reroute as many times. You're never too old. My daddy started a new business when he was 60. So just breathe. You've got this.
0: This episode of 2400 CHEW was produced by the Office of Alumni Affairs at Muhlenberg College. It was recorded remotely and engineered in the studios of WMUH Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.